It's good to see all your smiling faces. We want to continue in the Word. We've been dealing with a series, and I want to continue in that series. This morning I want to deal with being transformed by the renewing of your mind. How to make your mind mind. <laughs> Pay attention now. This is going to be a good one. It's one that all of us need to recognize and hear. We've been continuing our series on reshaping your life. The passage of Scripture, which is kind of like the text that we've been using, is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I went into the New Living Translation for this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you what? Say it with me. The way you think. Amen. Remember we talk about stinking thinking? How that gets in our way. Transform. Amen. By the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is a good and pleasing and perfect. Now, you know, everybody wants to know God's will for their life. The problem is they're never going to figure it out unless their mind is transformed, unless they begin to think like God thinks. And we know what righteousness really is, is right thinking, right? Right relationships. And so we need to recognize this passage as, again, it's kind of the, the base passage for what our series has been, and we'll continue with that. Amen. And here's what I want you to know. This is so important because it kind of reverses what so many people think. God wants to change. No. We want God to change our circumstances. We want God. We do. We go to prayer that way. Oh, God, I want you to intervene and change this, change person's life, change my husband, change my wife. You know, I want healing. I want this, that, and the other thing. I want this to come out right. We pray so often for God to transform and change our circumstances when God's not interested in changing your circumstances. So right away, we're praying, and we're not praying God's will. God's far more interested in changing your mind, the way you think. That's what he's more involved with. So let's begin to pray according to God's will. Father, change the way I think, amen, not my circumstances. I want to think more like you. I want, Lord God, to develop the mind of Christ. I want the word to be made flesh in my life and alive in my life. Have you ever noticed, this is important, that your mind doesn't always obey you? Have you ever noticed that? For those of us who have a mind? Have you ever noticed? I figured I'd better go there because folks are like, I'm talking about mind. Well, anyways, this has been the subject of the matter for several weeks, how that we can transform and rethink and reshape our mind. Now, this specifically this morning is going to be how we can make our minds mind and how we can manage our mind. But before I go any further, I want to just kind of real quick stop and review a little bit of what we dealt with a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, I, I laid out at least 12 or 11 reasons why, in the first reason, why we needed to transform and change the way we think and manage our mind. Number one was the reason was that my thoughts control my life. Amen? We covered that. My thoughts control my life. Number two was this. My mind is a battlefield for sin. Amen? When you talk about my thoughts, you know, are, <laughs> listen, if I have good thoughts, then I'm going to have a good life. I want you to follow me in this. If I have bad thoughts, then I'm going to have a bad life. You guys are quick here now. If I have sick thoughts, then I'm going to have a sick life. If I have sinful thoughts, then I'm going to have a sinful life. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Be careful how you think. Because your life, amen, your life is shaped by your thoughts. What are you thinking right now? Don't tell me. Listen, we can control what we eat. We can control what we believe. 
We can control what we drink. But we don't always control what we allow into our minds. And the Bible is very clear telling us, God's word tells us very clearly, that every action in our life starts with a thought. And so it is that our minds control and shape our lives. Number two was that my mind is a battleground for sin. That's where temptation begins. Right there. That's where every sin actually starts. The sin of pride starts in the mind. Fear starts in the mind. Resentment starts in the mind. Hatred starts in the mind. Resentment and jealousy and envy all start in the mind. What about worry? It starts in the... What about stress? In the mind. The battlefield is the mind. The battlefield for sin is the thoughts in our mind. Paul said this in chapter 7. He said this. I love, Paul was saying, I love to do God's will as far as my new nature is concerned. But there's something else deep within me, in my lower nature, that's at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me slave to sin that's still within me. In my mind, I want to be God's willing servant, but instead I find myself still enslaved to sin. Paul's saying, I have the right attitude, I have the right desires, and in my mind, this is what I want to do. I want to be a servant of God. But instead, I find myself entrapped, slave to sin. I know, I know, I know the habits and the hurts and the hang-ups. I know those things that mess up my life, but I simply seem to keep getting involved with them. Wow. Do you notice some of the words up there? Whoops, back up. The word war, then there's the word fight, then there's the word enslaved, and the word mind. There's a battle, the scripture says, that's going on in your brain. And sometimes we're conscious of that battle that's going on, and sometimes we're not. And because of this battle that's constantly going on in our minds, the things we recognize, the things we don't recognize, it causes, it causes stress, it causes mental fatigue. Because that constant battle is going on. And I want you to understand that your mind is your greatest asset. And Satan has a joke there someplace. I'm not going to. And Satan knows how to get your attention. Because he knows whatever gets your attention is going to control your behavior. And he's going to start in your mind. He's not going to start with the behavior. He's not going to start in the emotions. He's, not, he's going to start in the thoughts because he knows if I can just get you, I can push your buttons, then I can control you. I can control your behavior. But it doesn't start in the behavior. And the third, you know, controlling our minds, our thoughts, the key to peace. When I learn to manage my mind, it becomes a key to peace, a key to happiness, to my life. If I have an unmanaged mind, it leads to tension and leads to all kinds of pressure. If I have a managed mind, then it's going to lead to tranquility. It's going to lead to peace. If I have an unmanaged mind, then it's going to lead to stress. A managed mind is going to lead to strength and, and serenity. An unmanaged mind is going to lead to conflict in life. It's going to lead to chaos. But a managed mind leads to confidence. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 6. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to what? But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to 
a controlled mind is going to lead you to life and peace. An uncontrolled mind, allowing the pressures around us to control us, to infiltrate, and to dictate what we're going to think for the moment and respond or react to those things, leads us to all kinds of stress and chaos. The Bible said it leads to a dead end. It means you're going to die. First of all, you're going to die spiritually, and then you'll die physically. But when the Holy Spirit begins to control you, when the Spirit of God, when the Word of God is placed within you, and the Spirit of God begins to reveal that Word and, and, and opens it up to you, then all of a sudden you're going to find yourself in great peace. Now, this is the reason why we've been spending some time dealing with the subject of, of shape, reshaping our, our mind in every area of life. And with the weeks to come, I, I plan on continuing this. I want to look at specific areas in our life that need to be reshaped. I want to talk about how we need to rethink what happiness is all about and to rethink our response to situations and problems. I want to deal with issues of, of suffering and, and I want to talk a little bit about our future and about our past. It's all coming, Lord willing. But today I want to look at three choices that we have to make every single day. And these are three choices we daily choose, we make. And if we make these choices properly, then it's going to produce a, a healthy mind. We'll get our mind to mind. Reflect the mind of Christ. To give you the outline real quick, and you've got to decide. First of all, you need to learn to feed your mind. Secondly, you need to free your mind. And thirdly, you need to focus your mind. Amen? Number one, the Bible says, you need to feed my mind. Look at John chapter 8, verse 32. It says, then you will know the truth, and the what? Will set you free. I need to feed my mind with truth. Now, I understand a whole lot of people you'll find in the world, they're actually going to quote this passage of Scripture. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But they don't realize that the truth they're talking about, the Scripture's talking about, is the Word of God. It's the Word of God, which is the truth, which is Jesus Christ manifested. It will be, it is the one, He is the one who will set you free. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, look at Jesus' answer. It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. People need more than just simply bread today and toilet paper. The scripture said we need to be feeding on the word of God. You know, <laughs> we used to talk about years ago, soul food. We're talking soul food here. The word of God. Amen. It's the, it's the, it's the owner's manual for life. It is the truth that will set you free. I was thinking about it. There's a lot of things that are truthful that will not set you free. You can learn how to program a computer. It won't set you free. You can learn about the bio... <laughs> you can learn all about the fruit fly. But it won't set you free. There's a whole lot of truth in this world that you can learn. But it's not going to set you free. The only thing going to set you free is the word of God says. Word, the truth about God. Because it is what? The manual for life. So I need to what? Feed my mind with truth. That means I've got to 
Take it in. They say, well, Pastor Bob, how often should I take the Word of God in? Is it enough for me to listen to you for 15, 20 minutes, an hour, three hours a Sunday? Is it enough for that? Or how about a Wednesday night Bible study? Is that enough? Is that all I need, just a little bit here and there? How about a devotional in the morning for half hour? I read through the Scriptures. What should I do? Look what David said. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I have put my hope in your Word. I would say that we need to be constantly, all the time. And I love that passage because it has the word hope in it. I read that someone had counted over 7,000 promises of God in the Bible. I would declare this, that if any time in your life you're feeling, as a child of God, feeling hopeless, it means you're not spending enough time in His book. Because there are promises in His book for your life. And if you take those promises into your life, then you're going to be a hopeful person. You're going to become a person of promise. David said, oh, how I love your law. I love your word. What did he do? He meditates on it how long? All day. I started thinking, I wonder how many of us really think about God's word all day. We might not think about God's word once a day. But the Bible says how important it is for us to start our day with the word of God. And as you start with the word of God in the beginning of the day, then you're going to be thinking about it throughout the day. And then when you come into those difficult times in your life, which they come up, by the way, every now and then, you'll be a child of God who loves the Lord, fills the Spirit of the Most High, and still have a difficult time. Every now and then, something goes wrong. You could be doing the work of the Lord and have something go wrong. I was up there yesterday spraying that wall. I had the, the ceiling. I had the ceiling. That's a big ceiling. We had done two coats on it. I had one little section I had to do, about four by eight in this corner. I'm up there ready to go. I'm going to finish this thing. You know, I got my oompa oompa suit on. I'm all masked up. I get up there, I spray. All of a sudden, paint goes everywhere. So what's going on with this? The nozzle on the spray just blew apart. And I said, oh, this is funny. Lord, I'm doing your work. What's going on with this? You don't like the way I sprayed? Come on now. And then I got to find the part on a Saturday. I was going all over the place trying to find this thing. Look, at bad things happen even when you're doing the work of the Lord. Maybe didn't like the color. Oh, no. <laughs> Never think that one again. Oh, Lord, no. All those promises. All day long, he says, I'm going to take and meditate upon your word throughout the entire day. Look at Psalm 16, 7. It says, I praise you, Lord, for being what my guide, even in the darkest night, for your, te your teachings fill my mind. I started thinking, maybe we ought to do is get in the habit of taking our Bible, opening it up, and putting it alongside our beds. So that at night, it's the last thing we see, and when we wake up in the morning, it'll be the first thing that we see, you know. And maybe it'll just remind us how important the Word of God is, amen. But I do know one thing, David was serious about the Word of God and being in the Word of God because he knew that it was going to be the Word of God that was going to set him free. There was a time when David was being chased by all kinds of enemies. He was a fugitive, and they actually wanted to kill him. He was, on a, he was running for his life. The man who would be king was actually hiding in caves. But it didn't matter, the Scripture says. He fed himself with the word of truth. 119.95 says, Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I quietly keep my mind upon your promises. Let me tell you something. If there's a whole lot of people hiding to kill me, would you be freaking out? 
you'd find somebody to go with you and say, you go first. I'll follow. You would not be quietly thinking about the promises. You'd be out there, what's going on, God? What's happening here? How come? Look at my circumstances. Change my circumstance. David said, he's not concerned about my circumstance being changed. He wants my mind transformed. David said, I quietly keep my mind upon your promises. When you look at the things going on in this world, it's easy for us to get discouraged. In the time we're living right this minute with all kinds of, of cancellations and all kinds of of ideas and thoughts, what could it could be? This pandemic, oh, it's going to be destructive, and it's going to go on for months. The economy's going to crash, and all these kinds of things are going to happen. We've got a world on edge. Our hope is in the sufficiency of our God. That doesn't mean that we do things carelessly. We've been studying the Book of Proverbs, and the Book of Proverbs is teaching us how to decide right from wrong. No, so it's not just faith and faith. We have the Word of God being manifested in our lives so we can discern and begin to know the right things to do. So we're not caught up in every wind of doctrine, every teaching, every fear, etc. We have a focus. We know. We have to prepare properly. We speak properly. We live properly. We make the right decisions. Because if you just listen to the news and the media, you're going to find all kinds of different ideas and thoughts. Even within the church, all kinds of prophecies, all kinds of things are going to come up. We're just being inundated with all kinds of messages into our minds, and that's a problem. David said this, my hope's in you. And if we're going to listen to all that information, we're going to get a feeling of discouragement and hopelessness. But David said this, he said, I quietly keep my mind. And I believe that's God's word spoken to us today. We're going to quietly keep our mind on his promises. Can you say amen? He said, I, even when I'm running from my enemy, I will keep my mind on the promises of God. Do you have a crisis? I want you to do that in Keep your mind and when you keep your mind on his promises, that's managing your mind. That's what this is all about. I'm feeding my mind with the truth. I'm keeping my mind upon his promises. I'm feeding my mind with his truth. Not what mom says, dad says, news says. I'm feeding my mind on the truth of God's word. Secondly, I have to free my mind from destructive thoughts. I put down in the little corner, a little guy said, you decide because you've got to make that decision. I can't I've got to learn to manage my mind instead of my having my mind manage me, which means I need to free my mind from the destructive thoughts. My mind needs to be liberated. My mind needs to be delivered. It needs to be set free. It needs to be released. And you say, Pastor Bob, it's no easy. I understand it's not easy to do these things. And it's real easy for me to tell you these things need to be done. It's not easy to have it done. You say, well, Pastor Bob, how can I liberate my mind? How does God deliver or release or set my mind free? It's hard. I know it's a battle. There's a battle going on in your mind. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I'm serious. I'm telling the truth. Don't hear me. From the very moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, there's that battle going on. And there's three forces the Scripture reveals to us 
that are at work against our best intentions. First, there's the old nature. You want to live correctly. You want to live the way God wants you to live. You want to be better. You want to have your mind filled with truth. You, you want to feed on the Word of God. But it's not easy because of these enemies. The first being the old nature. That sinful nature. That sin. We talk about sinful nature. It's my will against God's will. It's looking at a circumstance and determining what I think is right or what I think is wrong. That's the reason the fall occurred and the curse of the fall. My old nature kicks in. My tendencies, the practices, the, my, my heritage, my, where I've come from, my, those, everything comes in. That's how I begin to make decisions. Look at Romans chapter 7 says this. I have discovered the principle of life. Aren't you glad you came this morning? I have discovered this principle of life that whenever I want to do what is right, I heavily do what's wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. He said, look it. There's that battle going on. I'm hostage to my thoughts. Ever felt that way? You just can't get a thought out of your mind. It goes over and over and over again. You get to a point where you just die. I can't get away from it. You try to buy something. You eat more food, eat ice cream. I don't care. You try to get your mind off of it, but you can't. So you take it out on other people because it's there in your heart, in your mind. You're a hostage to your thoughts. You feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again. You don't want to be doing it, but you're still doing it. You are involved in a, a, a self-defeating behavior, the Scripture says. You know it's not good for you. You know it's not what you should be doing, but you do it anyways. There's that battle in your mind, and you're losing. Let me tell you something. The old, our old nature, the way we were before we gave our lives to Christ, is not our friend. The way we used to think, the habits we have, listen to me, that's the old nature. It's not part of our, it's not, our, it's not a friend. Our old nature is the source of all those bad habits. Those habits are self-defeating habits. They'll take you down. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. I don't have to believe everything I think. Okay? I don't have to believe everything I think. You talk about don't believe everything you hear. This is don't believe everything you think. Because the truth is, your mind lies to you all the time. And just because you think something's true doesn't make it true. Just because you feel something to be true doesn't make it true. Your mind and your emotions, they lie to us so often. And part of, of maturity is growing up and learning to know the difference between what is real truth and what is not. And you can never find out what real truth is if you're not in God's Word. Digging in, looking at the precepts and principles of God's Word. One of the most important questions you can ask in life is, when it comes to your thought patterns, is this. Is this thought really true? What I'm thinking, is it really true? The fact that there's no hope, is that really true? Nobody likes me, is that really true? I, I will never get any better, it's just the way it's going to be. Is that really true? My wife is worth, my life is worth, not my wife, my life is worthless. <laughs> that was a close one, huh? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You know, slip it down, I need some more water. <laughs> you know. 
felt like God, what did I smell in this morning? My life is worthless. Is that really true? Is it really true? We need to ask that question time and time again in our lives. Is it really true? What I was taught, is it really true? Is it really true? We need to ask that question. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says this. Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about what? Sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that are that are pleasing to the Spirit. Bring in the Word of God. All our lives will be transformed. The very first enemy inside us is our own nature. The second one is the evil one himself, Satan himself. Because Satan wants to change your mind and into all different, goes in all different directions. He wants you to get be scattered brain. No longer focused. Just bombarded by all kinds of stuff. So we end up reacting to things and over here and, and the voice gets it. And we go over there because it's loud noise and we, we're drawn over here and, and that seems to be what we have to do right now and, and we get ourselves caught up frantically moving right and left. Satan is playing games. He's in control. But if you have Christ in your life, and the scripture is very clear, we have a power greater than the evil one. And the truth of the matter is this, as a child of God, Satan cannot make you do anything. He cannot. He can influence you. He can make suggestions to you. And those suggestions can be rejected if we know the word of God. Then we'll say that's a lie because that is contrary to the word of God. That is contrary to God's promises. He can put those suggestions in your mind. But don't you think for a moment because you got a suggestion in your mind, it's truth. And don't you think for a moment because you got a suggestion in your mind, it's from God. Because the scripture says very clearly that if we are thinking sinful things, if we're outside of God's will, if we have a tendency to put ourselves before God and before others, then chances are that thought that you have is not of God. See, Satan's constantly planting negative thoughts and negative ideas and negative impressions into our mind. And we've got to learn how to control our minds. If we don't learn how to control it, then we're going to be caught up with all kinds of stuff. I'm going to tell you, so the very moment you wake up, the evil one's telling you, to do things the exact opposite of what God would want. Go ahead, deserve that. You don't need to be on time. Don't worry about that. You know what? You deserve to be angry. You deserve to, to want revenge. You ought, to, you ought to get, see, that's not right. You need to right the wrong. You should be, shouldn't have to put up with that. These individuals are stupid, you know. And, and you know, well, you don't even need them. Get back. Where do you think all that's coming from? It certainly is not coming from our Lord. It's not coming from him at all. 2 Corinthians chapter, look at look what it says here. So that Satan will not out what? Smart us. I like that. That's what Paul said. Look at He says, listen to me. We're not going to let Satan outsmart us by putting all this stuff in our mind, all these suggestions, making us think that it's God's answer. No, no. He's not going to outsmart us because we are familiar with his evil schemes. And how we're familiar is we know the word. Our mind's being transformed. We think differently than we used to think. Amen. The reason why I don't hold on to a grudge is because I'm not going to let Satan outsmart me. I'm, a, I'm on to his evil schemes. See, I know. Listen to me. I know that any time I refuse to forgive somebody, I've already fallen into Satan's trap. He's already outsmarted me. See, God's not the one who wants you to hold on to a hurt. 
Satan is the one who wants you to hold on to that hurt. He wants you to hold on to that bitterness, that anger. He wants you to hold on to that grudge. He wants you to be unforgiving. Can you say amen? Aren't you glad you paid the 50 cents to get in here? <laughs> Look at number three. Third enemy, the world's values. There, <laughs> let me tell you, the world's values are constant in opposition to everything God wants. And they're promoted all around us. Advertisement promotes the, the world's values. Movies promote the world's values. TV and music promotes the world's values. Celebrities promote the world's values. I don't know that there's many people around us in this world who actually encourage us to do the right thing. They're all talking about you doing what's best for you. They're all talking about how important it is for you to do the right thing for yourself. Think about yourself. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 says this, and I put it in the NIV and also the New Living. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, the, the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The Living Bible says this, for the world offers only the, a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, the pride of our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. He gives us a list. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Not from the Father. Not from the Father in heaven, but from this, this whole world. Have you ever noticed? Just step back and look around us and see if there's not anything really in this world that calls us to, that really wants us to, encourages us to be disciplined. Nobody, no, really, and generally speaking, no one in the world wants us to be disciplined. No, no, they tell us instead, you need to give in to the lust of the flesh. You need to give in to the lust of the eyes. You need to give in to the pride of life and, and, and to get those possessions and, and that passion and, and position. Give in to that sex, the salary, and the status. You know, you've got to give in, to, live it for yourself. I just, I want to feel, I want to feel this way. I, I want everyone to worship me. So, so, yeah, that's how that battle goes on in our minds. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, what? We do not wage war as the world does. Let me tell you something. We don't fight. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. In fact, I would say this in the day and age in which we live, the weapons of this world today are primarily political. And we don't use those words. We don't use those weapons. Verse 4 says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have what divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have weapons. What, what do our weapons have? Power, divine power to do what? Demolish. I should have that on the speaker, the sound of demolish. Demolish. Strongholds. And every argument and pretense that sets itself against, like in our minds, against the knowledge of our God. We take captive all of those thoughts and we make them obedient unto Christ. In other words, we're in this wrestling match with our thoughts and we've got to pin them down as a mental battle goes on. 
The Bible talks about a stronghold. Well, Pastor Bob, what's a stronghold? Well, it's a lie. Stronghold's a lie. It's a lie that you believe in. It's a, it's, it could be in your core, the way you look at life. It could be a core value that you have deep inside. It's just the way you live, the way you think. When it's all said and done, that's how you make your decisions. It's a stronghold. It's the reason you act like you act. Anytime you believe a lie, it's a lie coming from the evil one. He is the, Satan. He is the father of lies, Scripture says. Anytime I believe a lie about God, it's a stronghold. Anytime I believe a lie about myself, it's a stronghold. I believe a lie about the world or about the future, about the past, the present, it's a stronghold. I'll tell you what, if there's fear about this pandemic right now and all, all these things coming in our minds and we get our eyes off the Lord, there's a stronghold in your life. Amen. And that doesn't mean we don't take things seriously. We are wise about what we do. That's why we have the Word of God. That's why we have this Spirit of God leading us and directing us. But I'm not going to be overcome by it. Anytime I believe a lie about money or believe a lie about sex, or that becomes a stronghold in my life. It's a false value. It could be a world value. I'm living for pleasure, or materialism, or for money. It's strongholds. And when money becomes the most important thing to your life, it's a stronghold. When health becomes the most important thing to your life, it's a stronghold. When relationships become the most important thing to your life, it's a stronghold. Let me tell you something. You follow Christ Jesus and all those things will fall into place. Him first. Amen. I've met people over the years that have strongholds. It's a stronghold in their brain. It's worry. The stronghold in their brain was depression. They would go in cycles about it because there was a core, something down deep inside that they wouldn't let go. Stronghold of resentment. People have stronghold of envy or pride or self-conceit or ego. But I want you to notice a couple of things in this passage of Scripture. He says, we what? Take captive. We bring them under control. We conquer these things. It's a war term. He says, we're bringing about our thoughts, making them captive. We don't let them go and do their own thing. We know. We wheel them in. We say, no, you're not doing that. I replace it with the promise of God. And then he says, I make it obedient. I bring it into submission. So, Pastor, how do you do that? How do I make my mind mine? Well, the first thing you got to do is admit that your mind's not minded. First of all, you got to admit that just because you believe it, it's not true. Or just because you believe it is true. It may not be true. You follow me? Because I lost my mind there for a moment. You got to confess. You've got to confess and say, hey, my thoughts aren't always right. My thoughts disobey me. They rebel against what I know I should be doing. They often want me to go in different directions. I get scatterbrained. In other words, when you get in that kind of situation, time to pray. And pray. And pray. See, but I did. And then all of a sudden, these works things come into my mind. See, the reason why people are ineffective and defeated in life is they don't know how to fight the battle in their mind. And I think part of the series we're dealing with is trying to somehow allow, establish the point that we can be victorious. And one of the things that we don't know how to deal with is temptation. And we're not going to deal with it this morning because we don't have time for that. But I will tell you something. 
Temptation can capture your attention. And we've got to learn how to defeat that, break it down, destroy it. And see, folks, once you know how temptation works, you can defeat it. It won't defeat you anymore. Because you know how to stop it before it gets to step two, three, or four. See, we've got to learn to stop it, amen, at step one. And I'm going to give you some information as a little teaser, but we're not going any further with that. But here it comes with the issue of temptation. The best time to win the battle for your mind is before it happens. Wow. Isn't that deep? Kind of proud of your pastor, aren't you? Getting deep in the church. <laughs> yeah. I was awarded that, you know, one with most humility. A little button. And I wore it. <laughs> the best time to win the battle for your mind is before it happens. It means you need to choose to do what we talked about. It means that you need to begin to feed your mind with truth before you get into the mess. Oftentimes, we get into a mess and then we want somebody to help us out. We got to get the counseling. We got to do something because we're in a mess. Listen to me. If you're in the Word of God, you were preparing so you would avoid the mess because you would have made right choices. God has given choices. Let me tell you something. I am determined to obey my Lord till I die. I have made up my mind, and I'm working on this. I have made up my mind to obey his law forever, no matter what. And that's the way it is. And I want to now answer the last third, bring the third step to being focus. I have to focus on right things. I have to focus on eternal things. Amen. Because when I focus on right things, I learn, I get freedom. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we were dealing with the mind of Christ and, and what, how important that was and and some of the characteristics of the mind of Christ. I'm going to mention just a couple of them really, really quick, okay? Number one, I need to think about Jesus. Amen. I need to be thinking about him. The Word of God says clearly, keep your mind on Jesus Christ, okay? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. So your mind, so keep your mind on Jesus, who put up with many, what? He put up with insults. But in light of all those insults, what's the Scripture say? He didn't get discouraged, and you won't. Why? Because your mind's on Christ. Amen. That's important. There are all kinds of people doing evil things to him, but the Scripture says, let's follow his example. He put his mind. <laughs> he didn't get discouraged. He didn't. And so we can look at him as an example for our own personal lives. Number two, we need to learn to think about others. Wow, wouldn't that change our world a little bit? If we started thinking about others, look at Philippians says, each of you should look not only on your own interests, but what? On the interests of others. Look at Hebrews 10 says, let us, think, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we really started doing that? You've got to think about others. That's what Jesus did. It's a radical statement to think about others. But what a principle Set us free. You're in a situation. Today, tomorrow. I want you to stop. 
and I want you to intentionally think about Jesus Christ and intentionally think about other people. What do others need in this situation? I'll tell you what, that'll begin to transform your life if you put others first. That's what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says. Anyone who starts thinking about other people is going to shine in this world. It's going to make an impact on those around us. Because the world in itself is not thinking about other people. They're just thinking about themselves. Number three, we talked about the mind of Christ. Think eternally. What a radical change. Think about eternity. I don't think we really think about that too much. We're just caught up in the here and now. What's going on for the next moment? What will the next few weeks be? What will be the next rest of this year be? We're caught up with now, here and now, and we don't think about eternity. Colossians 3.2 says this, but what? Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. However it's written, an eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, or a mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who what? Not everybody, for those who love him. He said, I, I, you're so earthly minded here, you're no heavenly good. You can't help anybody if all you're thinking about is the earth. Heavenly minded people have always done the most good for thousands and thousands of people over thousands of years. Let me tell you, some of the stuff we worry about isn't going to be here. It's not going to matter in five years. It's going to matter in less than 10 years, 1,000 years. It's not going to. It's not even going to work. It's not even going to affect eternity, should it? Scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. What God has prepared those who love him. I want to see how good you guys are. Pay attention to this next one. See how many can do this. Ready? What do you see? Ah. I see dots. Come on, look. Look real good. I know what it is. I saw it. You know what it is? Huh? What's your eyes focused on? You see, the reason why we don't really see things clearly is because we can only see, you know, flesh, you know, world, one-dimensional. Sometimes we get three-dimensional. We've got to learn to see depth. Depth of things. If you look at it really well, you're going to see a lobster develops. That feels spiritual, isn't it? A lobster. I did it several times. It's there. We understand 3D and 2D, but there's a dimension that we don't even see. It's there, but we don't see it. We don't pick up on it. And God's created this world. He's created this world that we're looking at and the beauty and all the color. He spent seven days. He spent seven days figuring this world out. Think about it. He's had eternity to prepare heaven. Think how amazing that's going to be. He's the one who invented, he invented sunsets, he invented ocean views and all the beautiful things of this old world. Now I want you to start thinking about your problems. Start looking at all those little nitpicking problems that, that seem to be so big, they just harass you and they get under your skin and you get focused on that. Now I want you to step back and I want you to begin to think about, light of, think about those things in light of eternity. All of a sudden, those problems really, this too shall pass. Because nothing can compare to the glory or the joy or the, or the pleasure or the enjoyment of the things that we're going to experience as we look forward to eternity. Everything else is going to be compared to inferior. 
You can see it. That means next week your tithes are going to be 15%. I want you to remember these three things. You need to what? Read it with me. Feed your mind with truth. Free your mind from destructive thought. And focus your mind on eternity. Those three things. Let's sum it up. Focus your mind on eternity. Forget about all that stuff. Return to, to what God wants me to do. Change my attention. Can you say amen? It's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm glad you're here. I was able to rearrange my schedule so I could be here this morning. Amen. I want us now to spend a little time in prayer. I want us to spend time and continue to pray as we started the service off. The situation that we're in the world and our nation. The Lord will intervene. The president will be wise and continue to be wise. I'll tell you what. I am glad that we have the president we have. I'm just telling you, and I won't be political about it, but I'm sure glad we have the one we have right now. Amen. Some of us forget about the pandemics that we've had in the past and how things have been affected at that point, how things are a little different the way it's reported now. I am glad God has placed a person in there right now. Amen. And the people that are there, we need to pray for him. And we need to continue to ask God to do his will. Amen. And I believe that he will. And I believe God will help in a mighty way. Alrighty. I want us to pray according to the message of him this morning. That acknowledging that we've been made in our minds, we've been made in God's image. And realizing that, that our minds are, are the greatest asset that we have. And also recognize that it's a battleground out there. We need to realize that. We need to ask the Lord to help us to put into practice some of the things that were spoken this morning. Amen. That he would teach us and that we would learn that we've been called to do certain things. What are those things? That we make those right choices. Amen. That our minds will be free from the truth that could set us free. Amen. His word. And those destructive thoughts that go over, we turn over and over in our minds, we can lay them to be captive. Mind, put our minds on those things that are right. And I think the message is timely for what we're going through right now because all these kinds of things are going through our hearts and minds. We need to settle it down, focus into our Lord. Amen. And I think we do make, we just need to make a commitment this morning that we are going to commit to making our minds obey his word, to believe the truth no matter what anyone else might say. And then we're asking, Lord, help me to clear the mind along enough so I can think about who you are, think about others, etc. Think about eternity. And knowing that I can be transformed and will be transformed. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, we want to thank you for the day you've given to us to prepare our hearts for prayer. As we started the opening service, Lord, and we ask that you continue to intervene on the behalf of this nation. And Father, we also want to remember Brother Sebi in prayer, Lord, that you might continue to bless him as he's leadership. Give them strength, Lord, with the cold going on here. Nothing, nothing major. Father, you just give them the strength they need day by day. For this congregation of the church, we continue to bless, Lord, for the protection upon us. Fill this church, Lord, with those of a desire for your word, not only to hear your word, but to be transformed and changed by it. And all the gifts to be stirred in the way, Lord God, that others might come to know you as Lord and Savior. As we come to the altar, Lord, we are submitting ourselves to you, Lord, accepting your word, bringing it into our lives, realizing, yes, we are thirsty, and we need to come to you for that living water to transform our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's come down to the altars and spend some time before the Lord. Amen. We want to close the service with a verse of Scripture that I spent a lot of time about. Second Chronicles chapter 7.
And I think this is a reminder to us that just because we have a time of prayer in the morning on Sunday, that it doesn't end there. Because the scripture reveals to us, if my people who are called in my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. That's important. My prayer is that this morning we'll continue to pray. And we'll pray for this nation, for those involved in leadership, etc. The healing for those who are sick. And we'll continue to pray until we find that this whole pandemic has been reversed in some how. And we know God's going to use folks in the medicines and those kinds of things. But I believe very strongly this is the time that this nation, for whatever reason, it's allowed us for us to come together as a people. And I believe it's an opportunity for children of God to speak forth. And I believe it's an opportunity for God to be glorified. And we need to pray for such. Amen? Amen. Because this could turn into a very strong disaster if we're not careful. And we are the salt. We are the light. We can't expect the news media to, to enhance the things of God. We can't expect them to be a positive twist on any of those. But God's people, called according to his purpose, can transform and change. We've seen that happen time and time again. And then we need to do that. So I pray that this coming week and weeks to follow, we'll be constantly be offering up prayer coverings for those in leadership and for the church and for our own people here, each one. May God will bless and we'll continue to protect. We'll do the right thing. We'll be wise about what we do. But we're not going to become terrorized by just this form of terrorism. No. God is greater still. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come forward. Of course, the message this morning about just minding our mind, Lord, getting our minds from us. It's so important for the time in which we live that we focus in on you and do the right thing according to your word and will. Draw us closer to you, my Lord. Grant us, grant us a greater understanding of who you are and your time and your way, Jesus, future, etc., than we have. We'll continue to serve you and worship you, Lord God, and be wise. And you see the glory and honor, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Folks, you're dismissed in Jesus' name.